No my hide my. You're listening to an Eyes Down More Centre podcast. The Eyes Down More Centre is a national centre for hearing and balance research. Here, we present the Fakarongo Mai podcast series, a series where we share Aotearoa's latest Māori hearing and balance research. Kia ora, ko Ngāti Parote Iwi ko Alejandra Toku Engoa, EMC's Māori research coordinator and a kaupapa Māori researcher in the audiology space. In this episode, we chat with esteemed ear, nose and throat specialist Dr. Rochelle Love and Dr. Rebecca Garland to talk about an exciting kaupapa Māori project they have lined up. So, stay tuned and whakaronga mai. Listen with not only your taringa, but also your hinengaro, your wairua, and your ngako. Hena koro e pehe ana koro. How are you? I was just letting our listeners know that I have two very special guests joining me for today's podcast. What an honor it is to have you both itenera. Now, before we get into the partai about the Kopapa Māori project you have lined up, let's get to know more about you. Ko wai koe, no hea koe. Ko Rochelle Love Tukuingua, ko Ngāpui me Tiaroanga Iwi, ko Ngāti Kura, me Ngāti Pikiaunga Hapu, ko Tāpui me Tāpui ki Marae, ko Whakarara, Taku Maunga, ko Matauri, Taku Moana, and I'm an ear, nose and throat surgeon based in Ōtautahi in Christchurch. Most of the work that I do is with tamariki and, and ear health, looking after um, babies and kids who have issues with ears. And my special area of expertise is actually in management of sleep apnea and snoring. Ko Rebecca toko ingoa. No whonga nui e tāra ahau anaine. Io e taku papakainga i te o tautahi. No rera waimaka rere te awa. Ko upuke taku maunga. I'm Rebecca Garland, Ngāti Pākehā. And I... Now I'm practicing in Wellington, but originally I grew up in Christchurch and did sort of my training there, and so that's an area that I also connect with. My passion has been ear health, uh, and in particular Māori ear health, all through my training, but particularly as a consultant, and um, I find myself getting increasingly um, interested in this space and uh, really wanted to work out how I can move things forward. Hi. Well, thank you for sharing your whakapapa. Um, when I was working at Ahitaradia, I hadn't met many female ear, nose and throat doctors. And the closest I did get to see were the interns. And so, Rochelle, you were actually the first Indigenous ENT specialist I've ever met. And I jumped for joy when I found out. And Rebecca, I have the utmost respect for you too for being a positive influence in this area and stepping into the kaupapa Māori space in a safe way. Um, and so with that in mind, I think we need more wahine, more Indigenous peoples at the forefront in these positions. What are your thoughts on this and how do you think we can drive this forward? There's a couple of strategic responses um, that are being undertaken at the moment. So the first is to recognise that we are existing in a society that is racist and that has colonised Māori over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. This includes now, this is not historic, this is an ongoing process. To address the inequities that we see borne out in Māori health statistics uh, in terms of um, uh, life expectancy, quality of life, health care outcomes and access to health, um, the uh, College of Surgeons is, or has been for some time, putting in place 
strategies to recruit and retain, train Māori surgeons across a number of different specialties. So we need this active approach. We need to turn the mirror back on society and say we are accountable to society, to Māori, to be able to deliver healthcare. The second prong, in my view, is that by having Māori clinicians and having Māori in positions of uh, policy making um, and in governance, it actually is a really positive feedback loop for the community. And we've heard before, we've, we've heard, uh, I think Lance Selman talked about um, windows, mirrors and doors. In other words, you, you, you do what you see people already doing. You think, well, that's a viable career option for me. And so we, by being in those positions, having the limelight, it actually just says, hey, look, you can do this. And for lots of people, I, I hope they do look at what I'm doing and go, I can do that and I can do it better. Mm-hmm. So just being in that uh, that role is it is undoubtedly has a um, has a positive influence on generations to come. You know, obviously for myself being a Pākehā, I've asked myself uh, that question very many times. Um, where where do I where does my role start and end, and and how can I make this a uh, or contribute to making this a safe pace for Māori practitioners, as well as obviously for the patients for who I'm working with and for. So when I was a chair of training, one of the goals that we had was to make sure that there were not only equal but uh, opportunities for Māori trainees to come into the space and not just making sure that there was representation, but once Māori trainees were selected, that that felt like a safe space for them to practice in and that Te Māori was acknowledged and to make people feel welcome and valued. I think uh, we talk a lot about values and making sure that those values that are brought in, which I'm the first to recognise, weren't things that I knew very much about and so Rochelle's been really instructive for me in a partnership model uh me in that um journey really and and asking for support from others as well uh to in order to be the supporter if that makes sense and where I couldn't do that myself or that wasn't appropriate knowing where that could be achieved uh, through through others. I, I think also um, making sure that tikanga and other aspects are respected in formal meetings and creating a space for people to step into in the future as well as in the present whilst acknowledging the past journeys. But sometimes here, Kaupapa Māori described as walking into a forest where there's a whole lot of different trees all mingling together and that perhaps um, walking into a Pākehā forest might be walking into a pine forest, which is different. Yeah. And I think that also maybe we should think of ourselves as the gorse, <laughs> nurturing the new forest coming through because, you know, that forest has been destroyed um, with the process of colonisation and and how can we nurture the next generation to come through. So that, that's where I think we have to stand for as Pākehā in this space. I like the analogy that you brought up about the forest and the ways that globalisation has impacted with the Western concepts of thought. 
I guess I want to know because it's such a competitive area as being doctors, you've got so many specializations of where to go. Why would, uh, I guess, our rangatahi choose to go towards an ear, nose and throat specialization? For me, the decision was really easy and it comes back to tangata, tangata, tangata. It is all about who you work with. And I think back to some of my early um, uh, days when you're perhaps at the at the edge of that decision making and it, the values that I saw enacted by the clinicians in ENT um, I, I uh, felt very strongly attracted to. Uh, I think that speaks to the concept that that what we do in our clinic rooms and our operating rooms um, and in other areas of the hospital, how we behave, what our morals are, how we make decisions, those are, those are all very instructive for future generations. And that was a package that I saw and was very um, interested in, in in the world of ENT. So that was really clear to me. I wanted to work with these people. And the longer you, you, you uh, are engaged in that space, you actually see how phenomenal our patients are. We have quite a wide range of patients from from newborn babies right up to the elderly. Um, you have people that have chronic medical conditions or there might be something that's just a really quick in and out type scenario that you can actually completely cure them. Uh, and we also um, have a little, it's a little bit unique in ENT in that for all the other surgical specialties, there is an allied or adjacent medical specialty. So an example is if you're a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon, you have the medical specialty of neurology that sits alongside you. Or if you're an orthopod, then you have um, rheumatologists. So, so these are practitioners that are skilled in uh, the area of looking after bones and joints, but they don't do surgery. Right. In ENT, we actually cover both of those areas. So we actually deal with a lot of non-surgical problems. About four out of five of our patients we see in clinic actually are non-surgical. And it's really nice because you have a long-standing relationship with some of those people. Mm-hmm. You, you see that uh, for most people, surgery isn't an option or isn't actually the cure for their, their problem. And so you deal with it another way. So it's very gratifying in that manner. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Rebecca? Do you have a puraco behind why you chose to be an ear, nose and throat specialist? I, I think if for all of us, it's a journey when you start medicine and, and I went through a variety of different things before settling on surgery. I was attracted to the fine detail of the surgery. I've always quite liked fine surgery. And I think like Rochelle says, the people that you meet along the way. Um, I also married a urologist and I decided I didn't want to do the same as my husband. <laughs> so that was influencing for me. Um, so I, I think sometimes we end up doing uh, doing a specialty or a pathway and then sometimes it chooses us and in some ways I feel like ENT somehow chose me so I think that it's hard for young people to know exactly where to go the work that we do is very varied and interesting and that's certainly what kept me coming back I think to ENT uh, because uh, like Rochelle said I like managing the medical conditions as well as the surgical and I, and I think that connection with people always struck me with ENT as well not that you can't have that in other areas but I think that that is something that's very prominent in our specialty. Definitely. Following on with this corridor, you as well as ENT specialist Dr Alice Stringer and audiologist Kylie Bolin have received an Explorer grant from the Eisdale Moore Centre for a project called Preschool Hearing Loss in Aotearoa Who is Missing Out. Could you explain what the project is and what it entails? I'll start with that one. Um, so Explorer Project is a 
is a good term because we are exploring this equity project. It's become apparent to many of us practicing in the field of uh, preschool hearing loss that there are access problems to both screening and intervention for newborns and also preschool, um, particularly but for certain parts of uh, a population related to rurality, access, uh, and various other demographics. Well, why we started the project was to try and explore who is missing out and why are they missing out, and therefore leading on from that, how we can resolve that. Uh, so, so that's how the project started. And what we wanted was to be quite inclusive in that in the first explore, exploration and canvas a wide range of different practitioners, the community of practice, as well as community and uh, other voices to be heard about exploring that. Mm -hmm. Why is this project so important? We we know that some children are missing out and that that the groups that are missing out are heavily represented for Māori and Pacifica. We know that hearing loss occurs, uh, so inner ear or sensory neural hearing loss occurs more for Māori and Pacifica families and our practice experience is that it's harder for some communities to access care and that includes both with hearing aid fittings and also going on when children are a little bit older but in the preschool space for middle ear infections and uh, hearing loss due to middle ear problems like glue ear. So in order to have an equitable outcome we have to make sure that we're being more inclusive of um, those groups that are missing out. Sure. So I think it shows the importance of community voices and sharing their experiences and perspectives on the current system. In our last episode, Dr. Nina Scott, she talked about using hair picking a wilder framework so that the findings aren't just left on a bookshelf and that they're they're working for the communities. For your project, have you got to the stage in thinking about how you will ensure that the community voices are heard? And I guess how the knowledge that they provide to you is put into practice. One of the unique aspects of this particular uh, exploratory study is the manner in which it's been conducted. Mm-hmm. So we are strongly adhering to Kaupapa Māori principles in that uh, the questions we seek to answer are not even on the table yet. In fact, they need to be generated uh, by our community, by, by the people who are to by this. And so um, consultation will be wide and probably uh, a multi-stage, multi-location um, long-term consultation process so that we can actually answer questions that are generated from uh, Māori community, um, Pacifica community um, ourselves, uh, and so that um, solutions can be framed up from within the community. Uh, there already is in existence uh, a, a huge um, amount of knowledge and information, ways of doing things that are already out there, and really the onus is on us to tap into those um, so that we can co-create a model of care that is going to ensure that we are adhering to equity um, long into the future. And I really like that with the study that actually we, we're taking a long game approach to this. These types of studies have been done somewhat in the past, and many times um, documents and reports uh, have indicators that we are not delivering adequate care to Māori and Pacifica communities mm. and recommendations have included et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We aren't putting those principles into action 
And so if we actually stand back and say, okay, what do we need to do for the long term, not just for next year, not just for the year after, not just for the next government, it's actually saying, where do we go from here and what strategies do we need to put into place so that we can continue to walk the pathway to equity? It took us as Māori a long time to get to this place. It's going to take us a long time to walk out of that and we want to do that in, in a way that is is the, the, the most satisfactory to us um, as a community on a, on a whole level of measurable outcomes, including is it satisfactory um, to our wairua, um, to our hinenaro, to our whānau as, as, as wider group. I'm so excited for this project day. Um, uh, Rebecca, do you have anything else to add? Always something else to add. I, I think that what Rochelle said is right, is that this is the exp- exploration and the importance is making sure that that gets through to deliverables and um, like you indicated, that that doesn't sit on a shelf somewhere uh, and say, oh, well, we know that there's a problem, we've identified this. But this is also about not recolonizing or us as um, perhaps the Pākehā coming through and saying, oh, we see this problem, this is what we must do to solve it and um, trying to to solve things in a, in a different and more community-focused way. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have one last thing to ask. If you have one main point for our listeners to take away from today's all, what would it be and why? You should choose to do ENT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um, Ear, nose and throat surgery and uh, audiology, hearing and communication. Uh, Those are really amazing spaces to be in, to work in and uh, to to, to research in. Um, And thanks for for your attention and your interest. And we just encourage you to uh, extend your interest in our space. And my last um, thoughts about um, this is that I feel really excited about what is happening in the culture of ENT. Um, we, we've got a really long history of uh, engaging with Māori. It, it hasn't always been, and it still isn't always tika, but there is definitely a groundswell of movement and, and an under, growing understanding that this is a really important thing for the ENT community to lean into, and people are working hard to try to get this right. And so it feels very... Uh, satisfying, very exciting for me as a as a wahine surgeon, um, as Tangata Whenua, to be to be engaged in these sorts of projects with with our treaty partners, with our uh, co researchers, to actually find ways for us to move this forward and to move Maori forward in terms of reaching our full potential as a as a group. If you have any ideas or would love to help or join us in this hui, please get in touch with us at emcentre at auckland.ac.nz. Thank you, Rochelle and Rebecca, for your time. I love having these discussions with you both. And I love listening to the corridor that you provide as well. I wish you all the best for your kaupapa and your mahi as well. Before we finish this podcast, I'll just leave you and our listeners with a special whakatauki, one that is, is quite common, but one that never loses its mana. And I think it's one that we need to keep reminding ourselves through this time. 
it's he waka e kenoa. we are all in this together so as we go through this journey and many other journeys together as wahine as whanau and community members we'll remember that if someone falls off that waka we're going to tautoko afi and get that brother or sister back onto the waka so we can continue that journey together stronger than ever so thank you anō Dr Love and Dr Garland Modi ora tuakana and for the rest of you listening Modi too Modi ora Thank you for listening. The Wananga doesn't stop here. Keep an ear out for more podcasts where we share Aotearoa's latest Māori hearing and balance research. Mātewa.